Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John, back with Nikki. Nikki, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I missed you. I am. Hey, I'm wearing the new merch today, too. Do you like it? You look very handsome. Fancy, right? I had my mom take the sleeves in so my biceps look big. It's great. That baby gap tee. Yes. (laughs) This is a medium. 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 An extra extra medium. I don't know. Slim. Extra small medium. I don't know. I don't know what it is. (laughs) And we have our special guest today with us, Steph Chong, back again. Hi, yes. yes. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. We love repeat guests. Seems just That's like so yesterday special. she was on. I know. Isn't it? It's quarantine life, you know? Every day feels like <laughs> yesterday. Freaking <laughs> oh Groundhog Day. Ain't that the truth? Nikki and I were both on uh, vacation over the last couple of weeks separately. I might add, we don't vacation together. Oh, uh, but, uh, but could we? Wouldn't we it be could. fun? Steph, do you want to come? How great would that be? Just mic you guys up and like put it out. You Lord, know? Don't, uh, be awful. <laughs> Nobody no. should listen to us like that. A couple white claws in, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's I mean, allowed to have a mic on me 24 seven. No way. No. <laughs> I mean, invite me, and I won't tell anyone. Deal, deal. Private vacation. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on vacation from my vacation. I had to come back a day early because my daughter had to go to work and. uh I spent all day yesterday just like recovering from vacation. Like yes. literally, like I, I did all these workouts when I was home and you know, my dad's in the gym now. And so I had to go and I get in this mode when I visit gyms that I don't want to be a punk. So like I RX all the workouts, which I never do when I'm here in <laughs> Cleveland ever. Mm-hmm. And so I RX all the workouts and I go way too hard. And I promised one gym I would come and then I promised this other gym. And so I ended up doing two a days. By the time I was done, like my hands were ripped and my quads and my thighs. And because you're going to separate gyms or programming, like I'm repeat programming stuff. Right, right, right. uh, My body was wrecked. I mean, completely wrecked. I woke up yesterday morning. My ankles hurt. My legs hurt. My butt hurt. My hands hurt. I'm like, I'm just going to chill. I'm going to like do a little bike ride, recover, drink a ton of Fit Aid and chill. Yeah. That's what I did. It was great. Yes, it was very rough. That, I also that I also sounds had, less like vacation and more like training camp. That's what it feels like. That's honestly what it feels like. And then to make matters worse, um, I'm in the South, right? So it's literally biscuits mm. and sweet tea all day, every day. Right. See, that's what I'm recovering from. I've been home from vacation for a week and I'm like just now feeling like the bloat dissipate from 14 mudslides a day. <laughs> Like that's what I'm like struggling. Cause I would like, I was active and we walked everywhere and and I worked out a whole bunch, but like, I'm still recovering from like the hangover, the food and drink hangover, the like garbage food on vacation all day, every day. And like drinking from like the moment the sun comes up until the sun goes down and then a little after into the next day too. What was really That sounds like vacation. Oh, Oh. just feel, feel old. Like when I was 21, I could bounce back and be like, ah, let's do it again. And now I'm like old as hell. And I'm like, oh, I need a week. And my (laughs) belly hurts. I can't, my head. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk about why Steph's here. So Steph, you got a lot going on in your life, young lady. Steph is leading the charge in so many ways. I know. It's great. It has been busy, but I'm so fortunate. I'm so glad, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said no. I'm I am busy, but I didn't want to say no to any of it because it's so great, all of it. So there's a lot going on right now, um, you know, in terms of sort of steering the sport of CrossFit 
in this sort of positive direction, you know, we're, we're making changes within HQ itself, obviously with new guy, Eric, who I, I continue to refer to as new guy, Eric, um, at the helm and, and sort of taking in a lot of what the community has been talking about in terms of wanting diversity and wanting to get on the right page, ensuring that everyone feels like welcome and, and supported in the community. And then on the complete other side of things outside of HQ and the athletes have taken a lot into their own hands and starting this organization to try and um, put sort of like athlete rights first. So two different types of things that we want to talk to you about. I want to start with the most recent thing. I want to start with your your trip to Boulder for this. Was it a summit? Like, what would you call it? What, what was going on in Boulder over the last couple of days? I would call it a summit. I would call it a, it could be a conference kind of informally. Um, it was a collection of people from all different parts of the CrossFit community that Eric invited to give feedback to talk about their experience in CrossFit, you know, give their feedback on what's been going on and their, how they have been taking it and what's happening in their communities and discuss ways that we feel that CrossFit can move forward. And it's very cool. It was a lot of people with, you know, from all over the country, different, you know, affiliate owners who serve different communities And it was just really interesting to hear all of their takes on what's been going on and, and really where the brand can move forward. I feel like the listening game has not really been all that strong in the past, just from what we've heard anecdotally, you know, people, people wanting support. So the fact that he, he brought you all there just to like, hear what your experience has been like to me feels like a step in the right direction in and of itself. Oh, it's huge. I think, I mean, speaking personally, I have never had my opinion asked for um, about, you know, how things are going, how I like the the system, what I feel about the community. And, you know, most of it is positive. I have had such a great experience with CrossFit. But just the fact that he was willing to say, hey, some things have happened recently that the community is not okay with. This is very clear. And, you know, I, he wanted to dig deeper into that and listen to what people had to say. And that was a huge first step. So I'm really hopeful. I think that, you know, when you start listening to the community and really listening to how people feel and letting them express that in a way that they feel heard is, you know, that's the first step to progress. So how do you guys, you know, you you get together, you talk about your experiences, you talk about what, what you've seen, what you want to see different, like, How'd you leave it kind of? Cause talk, we've been just saying a lot here, especially on this show. We talk a lot, like what is, is there an action plan moving forward? You guys do this again in, in a month and see if anything's changed. Like what is, how'd you guys kind of leave it after you, you can talk a lot in two days, but you obviously can't like start necessarily doing things right away. So what's the plan? Yeah, absolutely. And there was recognition of that saying, you know, taking notes, really trying to come away with the important takeaways with the knowledge that in two days, we weren't going to solve everything. We weren't going to heal all wounds. We weren't going to, you know, Eric said, you know, I can't prove that this is going to happen now, but we can take those steps to figure out, you know, how we're going to prove it. So I think it was really great. Every session or most of the sessions that we had had some element of, okay, let's talk about the issues Let's talk about what, you know, you envision, and then let's talk about maybe what your ideas for fixing it are, you know, what are, let's brainstorm and just have some ideas thrown out there. So no, I, 
perhaps nothing concrete, no action plans necessarily, but I think the the active information gathering is going to be really useful. And Eric did mention that he wants to do it again with different people. You know, he wants mm-hmm. to have this feedback, not from one singular group, but he wants to take members in and out and hear from different people and get those perspectives uh, going forward. And perhaps when they have more of an action plan, get, you know, reevaluate, get more people's opinions on what's happening then um, and just continue revising, which I think is very smart to not just keep, you know, one committee in place, but to really draw in as many people as you can over the next couple months. What's he like? New guy, Eric, he's like this enigma. He is, but he's so personable. Cool. You know, it's like, you think it's going to be so scary to, to meet the, you know, the incoming owner and CEO of CrossFit. It's so intimidating, but he really doesn't give that air of intimidation at all. He's super personal. In the first couple of seconds that you meet him, you know, it's like super warm. Obviously his, his resume speaks from itself. You know, he's a super intelligent business guy. He has a history of, you know, coming in and helping companies really just take off. But I think it's really interesting to hear him talk. He has some really cool ideas that do meld kind of the business world and the business ideology with his passion for CrossFit. So I think it's, he's a great mix where he has the business experience, but he also loves CrossFit and doesn't want to change a single thing about the model. You know, he knows that it works. He knows, he loves it for what it is. And I think it'd be really easy to get one or the other, you know, someone who loves CrossFit, but doesn't have that business history Mm -hmm. or someone who has the business history and just wants to change CrossFit into a model that is like, you know, proven to work and isn't unique. Um, He's a really cool guy to hang out with. I mean, we got to obviously sit in the meetings with him and then we also had dinner at his place and got to know him on a personal level. And yeah, he's a great guy. So cool. Yeah. You're telling me you look like a much older John Woolley. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. That would have gone over well. I should have. I should have. You know, this guy, John, um, you remind me of my friend. Yeah. (laughs) He also did not invite the meme community to this summit. I'll, I'll point that out. So maybe that's Nor the next Or did he that's invite the, the reporter community? Just saying. That, that'll Just be the next that one. out there. The meme summit. Yeah, maybe that's number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's high on his priority list. I'm positive. <laughs> I actually would love to be, all jokes aside, I would love to be involved or have some voices involved from media is such like a gross word. And I hate the word media and I hate the word content, but like just having some sort of, um, not, what am I trying to say? It's not really input. And I don't really feel like we need a voice. I feel like we can be helpful. I feel like having someone in the, in these discussions or in, you know, summit like three or four down the line or whatever, when you're really starting to reach out to all different aspects of the community, like I don't want to be involved so that I can say like me, I need this and we need access here. And we need to talk to these people. It's not like that. It's more like, Hey, I've been like, talking to all these people in a completely different way for years. Like, let me help try and mold another facet of how I think this whole community could do better. And, and, and what me help me tell their stories better from the inside. Like that would just be cool. It'd be cool to be able to be helpful and not because I want some weird like media gain or personal gain out of it. You know what I mean? For sure. And he did. So the first the first thought is that he did acknowledge that the group that was in the room wasn't necessarily representative of all 
you know, areas within the community. Cool. Uh, And that he wants to include more of those people. And also it was a little bit last minute. So it did include a lot of people from the U S yeah. So, so that he did acknowledge that, you know, going forward, there needs to be different kind of representation. And that's why he brought up the idea of different groups coming in. Um, and secondly, I think that's hugely important, um, media, one thing without giving too much away, um, you know, one thing that kept coming up was that people in the community want communication. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to hear what's going on. Um, they want to be, you know, HQ needs to be a little bit more open um, or communicative. And so I think the media team could really help with that, you know, totally, totally. And, and try honestly, to tell those stories. Like you were saying, tell yeah. them in a, in a way that reaches people. Yeah. And for us too, because I don't remember if I've said on, on the show before, but like my last year working at CrossFit games in 2019 was um, obviously very different because the whole structure of the games had changed and it was the first year on the world feed. And like, you know, I was on the world feed and then the rogue feed was like its own thing. And then like morning chalk up had its own thing. And like, nobody was working together. Like I couldn't hear them or talk to them the way I used to when we were all one broadcast and we would, and we would broadcast that way. So my role in and of itself was very closed off. And even I didn't have a lot of communication within HQ itself. Like, you know, go here, here's what's coming up. Here's what's not like everything was new to me the way it was new to the athletes as well, which is fine. And it obviously has been in in years past too. It's not like we know anything ahead of time, but just like the lack of communication just made it harder to tell a really cohesive story from the beginning to the end, from what was going on in HQ to what was going on on the field to what was going on in all of these various broadcasts in different languages. So yeah, I think uh, just, you know, open communication in any business structure is always really helpful. And I would love to see that moving forward. And I would love to help. I'd love to help build it. I don't want to just stand here and say like, this is what I want. Give it to me now. I I wonder if it'll be hard for him though, Nikki. I mean, like CEOs are notoriously insulated. Like every corporation Mm -hmm. I've worked for, you know, they, they craft their message. They goes through HR, legal, get sent out to the field and everybody moves on marching orders and CEOs are rarely questioned. They get to do what they want. And so you've got a kind of a similar situation here where he owns a business or is going on the business and he's CEO and he's used to that structure. Now Mm -hmm. I realize he owns a gym, so maybe he's, he has the other perspective as well, but you're also talking about a sport where you have people like me that are fans of the sport and are talking to other fans of the sport. And we have an open voice. We don't work on his marching orders. We don't have Mm -hmm. to listen to his memos. We don't even Mm -hmm. have to care. We can say whatever we want. And so that's a much different skill set to be able to bring in people like that. So, you know, you call them media or influencers or whatever. We don't work for him. So when he brings us in to talk and we can say what we want, we can leave and say what we want. And that's a much, much different skill set or dynamic he's going to have to deal with that he's probably never had to deal with before. I mean, it's not like, I forget the name of his company now, but so, you know, it's not like his tech company had people writing blogs about his friend time, you know totally. what I mean? Or, no, you're right. You're right. I guess I just mean from a, more from a logistical angle, like more, a, a better communication structure within that, that leans on the media that he either has or trusts or whatever. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, I, I think HQ has been notorious about you know, at least in the early days, you know, silencing people with dissent, what they viewed as dissent, you know, mm. either through lawsuits or threats or yeah, whatever. Interesting point. And, and had their own media team. So even you guys, as you were calling the CrossFit games, you couldn't see anything negative about the athletes. 
Like you, you just couldn't, you worked for HQ. These were CrossFit athletes. Like you, I realized you could say some, but you couldn't go in on them, you know, like we could yeah. now if we would not that you would, but you get my point. I guess. I think that most of the people on the broadcast were always like our, our roles were never to evaluate, um, like qualitatively, we were always quantitative evaluators in that, like, this is what's happening. And when someone bit the bullet, they bit the bullet. And there were plenty of interviews where I was like, Hey man, what happened back there? Why did you, why did you fail that rope climb? Matt Fraser? Yeah. That question didn't go over well, (laughs) but, but still like, you know, it was never when you're on a broadcast like that, but I hear what you're saying too, in terms of like, they had plenty of people who were in media who were storytelling could have maybe gone in different directions. Well, or you you were never in a position like I'm in a position to go. That athlete's an asshole. Oh, yeah, I mean, right? I don't like, think I would say that like anyway, I'm I'm yeah. providing commentary, right? Not news. Like mm-hmm. that's a much much different thing that he's got to deal with. Like Armin often provides commentary, not news. You know, and so that's a much different thing. That yeah, he's and that I think it's great that you know if he's willing to bring people in and listen to it, I think it's a valuable resource to him if he'll recognize that. Meaning, yeah. like. You know, I've got 280,000 followers that send me all kind of crazy stuff, you know, that you find out is going on in the community that could be valuable to him if he wants to hear it. If he wants to stay as an insulated CEO, it's going to change the dynamic. That's That's, kind of my only point. That is interesting. And side note, if you haven't listened to our episode with Armin, it's worth going back and hearing it because he tells a story of sort of like how he was in the entanglement when he was like blacklisted by CrossFit in the beginning. And um, I didn't even know all the details about it. So that was really interesting. But I digress. I could talk about how much I want media coverage all day <laughs> long, but I'm biased. <laughs> well, I mean, so to to John's point, you know, whether he wants to hear it or not, um, for what it's worth, I can tell you that there were not, you know, we weren't sitting in the room, like patting each other on the back saying like, CrossFit is awesome. Like, right, of course, this company is amazing. We right. love everything about it. They, you know, you know, we weren't saying that. And to be fair, there were a lot of dissenting opinions and feedback. Cool. Um, in that, like, it was varied, you know, there were a lot of people who were willing to say, this is what I love about CrossFit. And at the same time say like, okay, well, you know, but I really don't like this or this has to change. Or, you know, I've been thinking about this for years, but I love CrossFit so much that I stayed. Mm, interesting. So, and you know, the, the feeling in the room, my feeling in the room was not that those people were like names being written down on a pad of paper, like, okay, don't invite them to the next holiday party. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it was the, their feedback was valuable because Ultimately, I think that um, it's great to hear good things, but you can't grow from hearing only good things. You know, you need that criticism and you need the honesty. And I think Eric acknowledges that, that it's hard to do that. And it's hard to be honest when you have that fear. But he really seemed like he wanted to create this environment where people weren't afraid to say something negative. Yeah. It was just going to be, you know, taken in stride and this is what it is. And okay, what can we do to fix it? I love that. That's awesome. That makes me feel really good about just the vibe because that is the worst is when you're like, yeah, we need to make change, but no one's, no one's willing to say what they really think. Like yeah. it doesn't work that way. It's just, just yeah, exactly. Did you hear yeah, that? So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So for what it, for what it's worth, that was the feeling I got in the room. And I'm, um, I'm usually not the first person to raise my hand and give her opinion, but I was, I felt really heard. Cool. No matter what opinion I was giving. 
Very cool. Well, I am like made of questions in terms of your other venture as well. So Boulder aside, and it sounds like we're moving in the right direction, which is rad. Um, you are also sort of at the forefront of this new organization that many of the elite athletes are involved in putting together to sort of start almost kind of like unionizing. Is that the right word to use? Like it's a, it's an association. It's the professional, wait, tell me, tell me professional Fitness, fitness athletes, athletes association. association. So I wanted yeah. to slip the word functional in there, but that's not professional fitness athletes association, the PFAA. So just in general, first, just tell us a little bit about like what it is, what are its goals? What's its purpose? How'd you get involved? Right. So we are a group of professional athletes. Uh, originally Brent Fikowski, uh, I don't know the exact origins, but he and Gretchen Kittleberger started talking and discussed the need for athletes to unify their voices. And this has been coming for years. I think it's been needed for years in, in the way that we all have a voice in the sport, but unifying together and saying we all kind of stand together on these issues is a lot more powerful. Mm. So we are... Currently, if I'm getting this right, it's about, it's the 60 athletes who are going to the 2020 CrossFit Games in September, plus several others who were invited based on uh, past history at the Games or representative categories of Masters teams. And we voted, we had an uh, initial assembly meeting and we voted on an executive board. And I was, I put my name up because I'm really passionate about creating something that's really powerful for the future. And so I was really lucky and I got nominated. That's awesome. And so what are, what are some of the like overall goals of coming together and, and doing what exactly having a voice for what purpose? Yeah. Right. So, so unifying our voice in general for whatever issues have arisen and will arise in the future. Right now we're, we've condensed our goals into two things, mainly uh, safety and standards in competition. So safety being, um, you know, conditions at a competition, uh, workouts, things like that. And then standards being fairness, um, you know, keeping, keeping fairness across the boards that every athlete has an opportunity to really showcase their fitness and isn't, doesn't have any kind of problems where, you know, heat to heat or lane to lane is variable. Is it, is it the type of you know, obviously you can't do everything all at once. So you hone in on a couple goals to start with. Are those things that you guys from past experience, and there's a lot of experience when it comes to the membership you have, are those a couple of things that you guys have seen in the past? You've been like, mm, not cool. You know, if I could change whatever, it would definitely be along the safety and or fairness lines. Yeah. I think that's what we heard as feedback first. You know, we, we did create several different groups, uh, working groups, mm-hmm based on a survey that that athletes answered and said, you know, what are the things you're most concerned about when you think about being a professional athlete, safety and standards came up, you know, a lot. I think that unfortunately, you know, for as even great competitions, there are issues, you know, an issue arises. And I think safety and standards really encompasses a majority of those issues. So that was what we felt that we could work on most immediately in trying to implement and, and get a little bit of help from the events. That makes I have, sense. I have a question. So uh, only cause I'm 
not very smart and I'm just, I'm a little confused. <laughs> so when you're talking it. safety, are you talking about controlling programming or are you talking about having more medical staff hmm. in place or both? That's a good question. Um, that's a good question. So some of the things we've talked about are, for example, um, you know, if you have a rope climb event, uh, the rope needs to be no longer than, you know, hit just hits the floor and there needs to be a mat underneath it. Um, that would be kind of a base level, you know, if, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but me being the class that I am, if a rope is, you know, laying on the floor and I come down fast from it, I have, you know, once or twice on my bad ankle, like really badly rolled my ankle. Totally. Um, I can't say that I personally have been to a competition where that was the case, but I have been to competitions where, you know, there wasn't a crash mount underneath. So you're doing a legless rope climb and like, if you fall, you know, say hello to the floor. So that is something that, you know, I think would be easy that event organizers might not think about uh, when designing events. So that is a, just a really simple example would be something on that list of safety. It's more for, you know, as we make this list, it's more for, to kind of help event organizers. You know, we want the events to succeed. We want it to be you know, a good show as well, but not at the expense of athletes. Right. And not, you don't want to be going as an athlete. The worst feeling is going onto a floor saying like, all right, well, I know there's a risk, but I have to take it or else I'll be last. You know, like no one else is afraid of putting their body on the line for a couple extra seconds. So, you know, I have to do that as well. And it would just be great if you didn't put yourself in a position where the risk was due to something that was preventable. It was simply due to the fact that we're athletes, we're competitive, and we want to win, you know? Yeah. I like that. I like that idea because you guys want to go. It's like these athletes want to go to as many competitions as they possibly can. They want all of them to be appropriate in in a way that makes them be like yeah I'll, I'll push my body as often as i possibly can in as many events as i possibly can to go to the games to win money to get sponsors to do whatever like it doesn't feel or it doesn't sound to me rather like you guys are like trying to standardize events so that you can control them it's more just like no i want to go to as many as i can so can y'all just make sure that i don't die thank you that would be great <laughs> right and and i think it it is that, you know, we want these events to succeed because event success equals athlete success. You know, we're a, we're an ecosystem here. We can't, we can't succeed if someone else fails. So, and, you know, collectively as athletes together as a PFAA, you know, without quantifying it too much, we've probably been to thousands of competitions, whereas event organizers, you know, have maybe run a handful and then been to a handful, watched a handful, you know, I think the collective experience of athletes, um, I hope that it can be of value to them. You know, our feedback, what we've seen, what we've um, encountered, we just hope that that can be something that event organizers can use to their benefit, not necessarily that we're trying to, you know, get an advantage by knowing the workouts ahead of time or trying to make it very cookie cutter in what we expect to do. Um, we like the, the variability, you know, that's part of the fun of our sport. But you're right. If we can just go in and say, like, let's put our let's put our bodies on the line, but let's not risk, you know, injury unnecessarily. Sure. I think that's smart. Um, you know, all major sports do that when you think of it. Like the NFL is the one I immediately think of that have 
dozens and dozens of rules designed to protect the players that all came about because, you know, the players union, which is what they have came forward and said, Hey, we don't want to do, you know, you can't hit a player when they're undefended as an example, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't hit a defenseless receiver coming across the middle. Like there's rules like that, that they put in place that now you can't run those plays anymore. And, you know, I think of like competitions I've been to that I've watched. I thought, man, that just looks dangerous. Like, you know, high repetition deadlifts or rebounding box jumps or whatever in high volume, even for the world's most elite athletes can be dangerous if done wrong. And, and programmers often like to think they're, you know, the Einstein of programming, they want to come up with something like totally unique and special, and they don't think about the ramifications of what this does to the athletes. And then you see half of them off on the sidelines getting worked on in between events because they can barely stand. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's not safe or healthy. Also side note, if you guys can get the assault bike band, I'll join. That would be great. <laughs> I'll pay whatever you want, whatever yeah. the fee is. If you can get the assault bike band and then make a really low level entry for like um, scaled athletes on the community division, then we're in. We're yes. totally in. I am so in. You know, I don't want to be obvious about it. So maybe we won't put it as number one, but like okay. number 10, we'll just yeah. hide it somewhere yeah. in the middle. Yep. Yep. It'll be like <laughs> crash pads, mandatory underneath ropes, no assault bikes, period. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Run on, run on sentence. Always get some. I mean, <laughs> always get them. Speaking of divisions, is there a, an age difference? Like I think of the teens and the masters that have notoriously over the years, at least at the CrossFit games, I can't speak for other events, but in those divisions have notoriously gotten very little coverage and mm. the prizes are like teeny tiny in comparison. Are they going to be part of your group or offered as part or are they a separate thing altogether? So right now we have representatives from the masters and teens community in the PFAA. Um, to be honest, we are trying to sort out some of the goals and trying to just solidify our organization with bylaws before we add any new members. But the masters and teens communities are super important and we do want to include them and hear their feedback because they're just as important divisions as what we think of as like the RX individuals. So yeah, we, we definitely don't want to leave them out. I, to me, it's less of a question of age necessarily and more of a question of like how eventually down the road when you guys are figuring out your bylaws and, and what the organization really looks like, what is technically like a professional, I'm using air quotes, like a professional athlete, like, is it a regionals? person? Is it a sanctionals person? Is it randomly me? Is it only if you've gone to games? Like where, how did those, how are those people going to fall? I, you probably don't know yet, but. Right. We're, and that's something we're working out in the bylaws uh, that they will outline what the criteria I suppose are to be a member of the PFAA. So that's just something I don't know. I don't have the answer for right now, but it is something that we're thinking about. And, and like I said, we, we don't plan to exclude the masters or the teens at all. Uh, we're re- actually really lucky. The, uh, the executive committee has one masters athlete on it. So she's been really crucial in, cool. in giving us feedback about that division. And we also have some people who have experience with teams. So we're, we're trying to keep every, everyone in mind in this, and we're trying to look out for the interest of all athletes, no matter what age. I, I think about how important it is, especially for the teenage athletes and even the masters around safety. So I can mm. see where there'd be a huge value for you guys to, to have, you know, to be able to weigh in heavily on programming or to your point, like the rope lines is the great analogy of, Hey, just don't do this. And they, you know, we can handle it. Yeah. We'll climb but, all your ropes. Yeah. But then, but then I, you know, there is part of me, especially as a dad of teenagers that I kind of struggle with the difference between amateur and pro 
as a teenager. Like I, there's part of me that wants them to have a strict amateur status and you guys just handle safety for them and let them mm. figure out the pro part later. Like the, you know, I, I see all these kids coming up and I don't know, like I want to see them go to college and do this through college. And, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I want to see the sport grow. What I don't want to see is kind of the victimization of teenagers that happens to college athletes. As an example, you get these totally. college athletes and they get a scholarship and the school makes billions of dollars and the athlete makes, you know, they get the education, which is great. Don't get uh-huh. me wrong, but they, you know, their t-shirts are being sold for, you know, hundreds of dollars and they're not getting any of that, you know? So I yeah, think you guys could help them is my point. There are really weird rules. I learned this at games last year, just chatting with one of the athlete agents. Um, there are really weird rules around like when teens go to college, like if they play college sports or if they get a scholarship, then they like weirdly, there are rules around where they can collect money in other ass. So like if a, if a girl went to a university on a soccer scholarship, just I'm making this up. And, but then she was like across the games competitor and like won money that she like may or may not be even allowed to keep that money or may, may or may not even be allowed to compete. Even if it's off season, like there's really weird rules around college sports that I, I did not know that was a oh, thing. They can't even take like, like they're not supposed to take gifts like t-shirts like and yeah so think of some... all the stuff we get like i get stuff sent and i'm an old like memer you know like so yeah. imagine what these really good teenage athletes get from reebok and nike and whoever and that... yeah they're like not allowed to accept shit i don't know it's weird there's a lot of strange rules around that so that maybe that would be a cool aspect to work in eventually helping them out navigating those waters that is something that's really interesting. I will admit I don't know much about the teen division at the games. I do, I'm somewhat familiar with the rules of the NCAA and scholarship, you know, in college. And, um, speaking personally, I'm, I think that teens are the future of the sport. You know, kids coming up obviously are the future. And so now that CrossFit has a bigger name, they're maybe looking at it as a sport that they want to pursue mm-hmm. as, you know, for the the rest of their lives versus me who joined in their twenties and was just like, Hey, this is a cool fitness thing. Um, so I think it is personally, I think it is really important that we look out for them and try to get some protections in for, you know, to prevent, um, prevent any injuries that might keep them from having a really long, healthy life in the sport, because the sport, the sport and the community are two different things, right? I think anyone will acknowledge that a professional athlete is not necessarily um, going for longevity, you know, there we're putting our bodies on the line. It's not what cross it is for most of the community, which is this lifelong health initiative. Hopefully it will be for most of us, but for the time that you're a professional athlete, you know, that's not, that's not what your goal is. So I really hope personally that the teens, um, we can help the teens, you know, stay healthy so that they can have a potential at a nice long, individual pro career if they want it and then stay in the sport for as long as they choose. Super side note and tangent, but like how cool would it be someday if colleges and universities like, like made their own little CrossFit teams and like, like drafted kids on to like groom them in strength and conditioning programs to go to games, like scholarships for, those kids to go to games. That would be epic. I think that's, that's a huge, you know, a reach goal, obviously, but I think that would be a really cool sign that our sport is professionalizing Mm -hmm. that, you know, major institutions recognize that CrossFit is, 
you know, a legitimate sport that deserves money and funding and that, you know, these kids are athletes. See, I'm, I'm going to say no. And let me tell you why. Yeah. Why? Because hmm. yeah. the, because our CrossFit fans get crazy about the athletes now. Imagine when you have a team from the Ohio State Buckeyes going against the Michigan oh, Wolverines. My like, God. There are going to be fist fights out in the middle of the floor. Like, I don't want it. Like, it's just like, it's we're already fractured enough. Don't I want start, it. Don't I want it. Bring masters. it on. <laughs> no. Bring it on. Come well, on. Hopefully, hopefully, if that ever comes to fruition, then we won't be divided by right. that. You right. know, there won't we won't have those same fractures. Well, I'm also I, I'm, I'm also annoyed because new guy Eric went to Michigan, so oh, see, like the Wolverines will get yeah they'll get preferential treatment. It's starting, it's just not worth it to me. So screw that. <laughs> I even think more like on the individual aspect of it. Like, what if you're 17, about to graduate from college, like about to like Haley Adams is a great example. Like, you know, she went straight from teens into individuals. Like, what if there was a college university that like offered her a scholarship so that she could, you know, also continue her education because that is a big deal, but, you know, continue supporting her and her training. And then when she, you don't need, you don't need the universities to have their own circuit. They can just go straight to, you know what I mean? Like, just because you don't play for the university doesn't mean you don't, doesn't mean you don't represent them in one way, shape, or I don't know. I don't know how all this stuff works. Now I'm talking out of my butt, but still, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm at me, I'm a crazy, like optimistic dreamer. So when I look at these, you know, when I have these visions, when I think about these things, I'm like you, I'm like, just think about what we could do with this. Think of all the potential (laughs) thing, you know? And so, and it's, it's really great because the executive committee, we have people of kind of all types, all personalities, and we really work well together. Um, especially where like I have all these ideas and I'm so excited and, um, it's great to have people who are, you know, pulling us back to the, the here and now, like what yeah. can we achieve now? What's, what's most important for us to get done in the next, you know, month or two. Um, and, and then build the foundation for all of these cooler things down the line that could really make the sport really great for the future, you know, for future athletes, it, you know, it probably isn't going to happen in my time. I I hope I can be in this sport for a long time, but you know, some of these things looking down, I just hope that, you know, if I ever have kids or I'm looking at, you know, the, the kids, when I'm a master's athlete, I'm looking at them saying like they had such a good opportunity because of what we're trying to achieve right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of the the now, I think that the initial goals of of the PFAA for for stand, standards and safety they make a lot of sense to me. But also, the season is so strange. Like twenty twenty is so weird. This is not necessarily uh, <laughs> the easy path forward in terms of like we had sanctionals or we had regionals and now we have games. So like what? What is the focus now, given the fact that 2020 is so strange? You guys are making these rules or trying to figure out what would be best for you guys for what? Do you have games in mind or something else? Well, I think that there is the acknowledgement that 2020 is almost over. You know, the games are happening in September. A lot of the legwork for that has probably already been done. But the 2021 season is coming up quite fast. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, I can't speak to the season, next season's schedule or format. Um, I know if, you know, if the open is on October, like we all kind of are planning, um, that's coming up quickly. Mm-hmm. 
So we do need to start getting these items for safety and standards rolling. Um, and I know event planners, um, loud and live event announced their, uh, schedule for the 2021 season. So it's, yeah. there are things that are, even though it feels far away, they're being planned now. So we are, we are hoping that we can implement some of these things or at least get them rolling, uh, fairly quickly. So are you guys only going to be addressing the CrossFit sanctioned event. I don't mean like sanctionals, but just anything that's sanctioned by CrossFit. So the games, loud and live events, or are you going to, or have you guys even thought forward enough to think of like leagues that may come up like the grid leagues, the one I always think of that used to be in existence. And I think it still is to some degree. Are you guys planning to address both of those or just sticking to CrossFit specific for now? You know, I, from what I know, most of our, um, interest is in CrossFit specific, but to be honest with the list of safety items that is really intended to go to any event organizer that wants it. So it doesn't even have to be a sanctional. Maybe it's, you know, your local throwdown that says, look, this is my first time holding one of these. Hmm. I, you know, there are things I know I haven't thought of and they come to the PFA say like, we actually would love for to eventually grow to like have the PFA's recognition and get some professional athletes here. What can we do to make that happen and put it on the level that you would want to come compete? And if we have this list, we can say, you know, okay, to start, here's our list of safety concerns. Can you agree to meet these? You know, the event organizer looks it over and if they say yes, then they can get, you know, the, the stamp of this is approved or this is going to comply with all of the PFA's, standards for safety. Um, and I think that could be, we're hoping at least that that would be a useful resource for people. I know that, you know, sanctionals have their own handbooks, they have their own rule books, but perhaps some newer competitions who might hope to be a sanctional, or maybe they just want to say their local throwdown, but they want to offer really high quality, uh, safe competition. Maybe that could be a good resource for them. Good. Almost use it like, um, consider like a certification or a badge of honor for a, for mm. a, for an event. Like, so Nikki and I are always involved in a local winter classic here in Cleveland. And mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been sanctioned quote unquote by CrossFit or it's a CrossFit event. And when CrossFit sells their name for that, they require a certain amount of uh, medical staff there. They require, you know, certified judges, level ones, whatever, like there's certain standards you have to meet in order to use the CrossFit name. And so I'm imagining, you know, for a local event, yeah, I don't know, you know, discuss the finances separate, but they reach out to you guys and have you guys sanction it and put your name on it. And here are the list of rules you have to follow to do it. And I think that's a great thing for mm-hmm. these local events. And just even for the local athletes, like I think of Kevin Ogar as a great example of someone who was injured at an event yeah. that had they had better safety rules, maybe it wouldn't have happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm sure he's not the only one that's ever happened to, and, you know, it's just a freak accident, but you know, if you're following the right rules, you can prohibit a lot of that. And so I think that could be a, you guys could make a really big impact on a lot of people's lives, not just games athletes. Totally. I certainly hope so. And like I mentioned before, the, you know, people in the community are looking for lifelong fitness and wellness, but also a lot of people in the community like to compete. They're competitive people and they want to do these local weekend throwdowns. And I think that's a great thing. And if like you were saying if we can try to contribute to keeping them safe through, you know, 
relatively small measures, having, you know, having a crash mat under a rope climb is something that, you know, is relatively straightforward. We're not asking for a lot there, but that could, you know, help someone stay healthy, but also then compete later and keep their goals in mind, even if they're not professionals. Yeah. I also wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of other functional fitness type events popping up all over the world in the, in the future, near future, kind of like you guys know the, is it called like fittest freakest or freakest fittest? It was that big functional fitness competition in Brazil, I think. And it's been going on for a number of years. I mean, think of um, the Dubai CrossFit championship was just the Dubai fitness championship for years and years and years. Like I would not be surprised if there were a lot of other CrossFit adjacent events that come up in, in the years coming as the sport continues to get popular that you guys could have a really great impact on with the stuff too, from the get go. You know what I mean? That would be very cool. Yeah. Just be prepared for the hate. That would be my, I mean, seriously, (laughs) like, you know, I, I say that, but like I watch a lot of professional sports and every time you change a rule to make it safer, fans go in, Oh, it's not the same sport anymore. You got to be able to hit the quarterback or you got to be able to throw the baseball at the guy when he pisses you off. Like all those little rules they start putting in place. Hey, look, it's pro sports, man. Yeah, it's true. People get like really passionate about what they love. And I'm just imagining eventually this going from crash mats under ropes to saying, Hey, you can only do X number of deadlifts at an X weight, which by the way, would be a really smart rule to implement if someone's making you do ridiculous deadlifts at a crazy weight for high rep scheme could be really dangerous. Right. But I can see people that have seen that happen in the past go, that was an exciting event. Yeah. But you got to toe that line between we want standards and we want control over what, and it doesn't sound like, it sounds to me like Steph, you guys understand that you're not trying to control the programming, but John's right. Like we've seen it spin out of control in so many ways before there's definitely like a, there's a gray, there's a gray area. So it was just just what two years ago or or three I guess it was two where we had a full marathon row just thrown on everybody. Imagine if that's a two marathon row, double marathon. What's to no. keep that from happening without some group coming in and saying no, you can't do that? Like you'd see really really fit people getting rhabdo because these are elite athletes that can do just about anything or they can mm. push their body to a limit that those of us that are are not elite we just can't push to that limit. Like we just don't have any capacity to get there. You know, yeah, but, and, but typically at least programmers and event organizers don't want that to happen. Like they, they have the best interests of the athlete. Typically. I mean, people, typically people it only takes, up. it only takes one Nikki. It just takes Very true. one. And, but you that know, could happen now too. Nikki, I went and did an hour workout with some buddies the other day because I was told I'd get a white claw after. Imagine what these athletes will do. <laughs> We'll do it for $10,000 or $50,000. So you think I'm kidding? Like, oh my God, I'm dead. It's true though. Um, it's absolutely true. You got these elite athletes that want to win. They'll absolutely go do anything they're told. And it takes one bad programmer. And I'm not saying Dave is a bad programmer that he would put athletes at risk. I actually think it's the opposite. I think he's a very thoughtful yeah, programmer and wouldn't. Yeah. And I think most of these guys that are programming events are very thoughtful. But you know, they also are, it's a game. And there's gamesmanship and you want your event to look better than the last event. And it, you know, what, you know, at some point someone's going to go, Hey, let's put on a 20 pound vest and swim. Like that's the shit that's going to happen eventually. unless somebody puts their foot down and says, no, we're not doing this. So I think to, to that argument, I will say that that could happen right now. That could have happened six months ago before the PFAA was ever pulled together. So I get where you guys are coming from in terms of being like, 
like John is saying, the possibility is still out there. So let's try to prevent it or be a voice against it or something. Here's one muscle ups with a rucksack that happened at Wadapalooza. Yes. And it was Pat Vellner who won that event that I was bitching about it. Now he wasn't saying they shouldn't have done it, but come on. Like I watched Saxon Spencer practice those and they look dangerous AF like that's And these are elite athletes. That's some scary Rain stuff. in a com- Yeah. Some scary stuff in a competition. Like, yeah, you know, no, I get it. I get it. I, you know, yeah. I, don't I think, know. yeah, I, I mean, the main, the main goal with those safety standards is that we know that event owners are looking to put on a show and the fans want a show and we want to give them one. But at the same time, you know, if the element of being a show and being entertaining is being put over the athletes who are actually performing those movements, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not to say that the event organizers or programmers can't be creative, that they can't come up with something that tells a good story and is interesting for people to watch. I think it's actually the opposite. They should be creative. They should come up with something that's entertaining and keeps fans engaged. But then hopefully us having this list that we give them will take away one thing that they have to think about. You know, Mm -hmm. if they create something and then take a look through the list and say like, Oh, well actually, you know, we hadn't thought about that, but this element it needs to be incorporated for, for the safety, but we can still keep our, the other elements of the workout that we were already planning. Hopefully it's not nothing that will stifle creativity. It's only something that will augment the process. And I think what you, what you could think of long-term is like that rucksack muscle ups, an interesting thing to me because no one had ever done it prior to that. It's safe. If you give people time to practice it, hmm. right? Like is there's nothing inherently dangerous about doing a muscle up weighing 20 pounds heavier, even if it's on your back, if you're really good at doing that. But when you show up at the event and they go, Oh, you're doing this and you've never done it before can be real dangerous. So I think there are some times where you can say, Hey, we don't want to control your programming, but there should be some lead time Hmm, to to be able to do this, which I know will, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with that because the hardcore CrossFitters are going, it's a no, 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 jackass. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, like, yeah. So our injuries and injury, you know, you can prevent them with a little lead time. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't even talked about what I think is the most important thing that you've been working on lately, Steph, which is perfecting your sourdough. This is the biggest <laughs> thing in my life. <laughs> I, how many, I probably get, I would say like four to five sourdough texts from Steph a week. Oh my gosh. You were like you my sourdough question? almanac. Are you, are you awake? I have a question about bread. I wonder. <laughs> that 11 was a, PM. the weirdest segue in an interview we've ever had. Weirdest I just didn't want it to go without saying that Steph is a but master baker right now. Thank you, quarantine. I am totally not, but it was one of the most interesting things to happen to the end of my quarantine. We were you know, two months in and I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to start making bread because I wanted to do this all the time. And I have yep. all the time in the world right now. And it would be 11 PM at night and be like, Nikki, Nikki, help. Are you awake? I'm so sorry. It's so oh late. My God. It's been but awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, t- admittedly it's taken a backseat. Um, I think the last time I baked was July 4, because then all the things with 
we sat in a bunch of PFAA meetings and then I got invited to go to Colorado and the gym yeah. opened back up here in Massachusetts. So we've been ramping up for a while, but yes, it's been super fun. And I'm, I'm due to make you a loaf. We just fixed our, uh, Rob fixed our oven. It was broken yes. for a bit. So we're going to make you some, and, um, I can get already. back on the, on the baking train. The, can I just say the, the best thing that's ever happened is so anyone who's ever baked uh, bread knows it's like just super finicky. It's stupid. Like I'll make two loaves at once and one will come out perfect. And one will be like a brick. It doesn't make any sense, but Steph makes this loaf. That's like, didn't rise. Right. Like it's going to be pretty dense. And I'm like, okay. So like when you poke it, does it like, does it bounce back? Cause that's how, you know, if bread is super dense, when you poke it, it stays like poked in, like, like if you poked Play-Doh and like your fingerprint is in there, but if it bounces back out into like a slice or whatever, then it, is usually not super dense and not super um, chewy. So I'm like, oh, well, when you poke it, does it come back? And she sends me a video of herself literally like, squ- like she, she's got the loaf and it's like cut in half and she's like squooshing it down from the top with like her whole palm. She's like performing CPR on this loaf. And she's like, I don't know, it's kind of coming back. And I'm like, no, 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 just poke it with your finger. Oh like, I don't know, is this bread doing what I need it to do? And one and two and three yeah. and <laughs> Well, if that's how if that's how sourdough is done, I am also like sourdough because when you poke me, I bounce back. You bounce right yeah. back. You're not <laughs> dense at all. I am not dense at all. <laughs> it's a good quality the to have. Thing ever. At My least cheeks hurt. Yeah. And it took her like three texts to finally get the point across that I was supposed to actually poke the inside of the bread, not just push the top down and see if it <laughs> sprung back at me. <laughs> Clearly you do not watch the Great British Baking Show. I am actually watching that right now. And I, so, so now I understand where you're coming from. So good. The, uh, yeah, needless to say, my first few loaves were like, not the greatest. And then I've almost figured it out. So practice, 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 you know, I feel like I, feel like I have to go bake bread now. I feel left out every time we you have should. these conversations, I just feel left out. So I'm going to learn to bake bread at some point. I'll send you my recipe. Please. It's, it's the only one that works. Hey. I've yeah, I it. ruined yeah so many bread recipes sourdough specifically is so hard i have ruined so many sourdough loaves because the recipe doesn't make any sense like it should just be the same across the board i'm going to go on a rant about sourdough but then you read them and there's like a 1000 weight it's not just like water flour sourdough starter call it a day it's like a bazillion ways to do it and um tim who runs tupud sent me like his a screenshot of like a book with his old family recipe in it that now I have been sharing with everyone because it is the only one I found that works. If anyone needs it, and send me a DM because I'll send um, it to you. I'm so grateful you sent that to me because <laughs> to be honest, I was a bio major. I took so many chemistry classes and lab classes in my time in undergrad. And all of the recipes I found for bread were like 10 times more complicated than anything I ever did in Orgo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read two of them trying to find a simpler one and finally texted Nikki and was like, please tell me that you're not performing like a procedure on bread every time you make it. Like you're not spending three days rising. (laughs) And you're (laughs) like, does it take you three days to bake bread? She's like, no, use this recipe. Yeah, here you go. So it saved me a lot of time, headache, and probably I would have probably quit because I was reading the recipe and I was like, nope, I'm not going back to not going back to this. Mm-mm. In 40 days, you will have one loaf of <laughs> yeah. bread. No, F off. No. And there's like 20 ways you might mess it up in the meantime. So <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yeah, I digress. Thanks, Thanks Steph. <laughs> <laughs>
Amazing, amazing stuff. Well, Steph, thank you for stopping by and yeah. giving us the the scoop on what you guys are working on. I'm, I'm anxious to see how this unfolds, um, just kind of long term. I know it's all new, and there's you know probably a lot of uncertainty on your guys' end, but I I think the concept and the theory of it's really spectacular and can do a, a lot of good, yeah, um, across you know many many layers, not just the CrossFit game. So thank you for taking the charge on it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's I think it's going to do some real good. You know, there's a lot of change going on right now. So there is a little bit of uncertainty about how it'll all shake out, but I'm, I'm personally really excited about the future and I'm optimistic. I can't wait to see where it goes, to be really honest. Me too. All right, Nikki, this has been fun. Before we sign off, make sure we tell everybody we have a Patreon page now. I know it's um, patreon.com slash make pods great again. And um, we've got brand new merch coming out from make pods great again and make wads great again. And we're going to do some pre-sale stuff. We're going to announce it to our Patreon folks first. So if you want to get uh, a firsthand or early sneak peek or whatever, early bird catches the worm, join our Patreon. We would love to have you there. There's also exclusive content. We post some extras from our interviews a little bit, just like on our daily lives and, you know, just more John and Nikki goodness. Yeah. We can give um, uh, podcasts early to the Patreon members. I did yeah. a little video yesterday of my home gym. Bean made an appearance. It was very exciting. I mean, so, Bean is the cool. selling point. If you You're want a- more dog stuff, that's the place to do it. Yes. More dog and cat stuff. Just come to the mm-hmm. Patreon page. So, all right. With that, thanks for being on everyone. For everyone listening, we uh, we appreciate it. And we will talk to you all soon.